if you if you would let's let's look at the scripture Luke nine twenty three today. Uh, then he said to them all, "If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily." We're going to emphasize the word daily and follow me. Let's pray. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today so plain a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. If you prompt me with it, Lord, I want to be obedient to speak to it. You look at all of us. Uh, you see us, but you see me differently today. I'm a teacher of your word, your preacher, and upon me is a greater and a more strict judgment than anybody in this place. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you today. I began with this passage today, and uh, this is, if, you, if you take notes or don't take notes or whatever, but if you don't, it may be some, a good idea to you to work work this in because uh, I believe everything I give you is helpful, but I, I believe in this uh, strategy, this discipline here. If you come to me for counseling, we're going to walk through your life. I'm going to offer you to start doing the big five in your life, and it's, you're going to think, well, I want something else than that. You, you, really, you really have this packaged for you in your spiritual walk. Um, I, I want to point out some things that are very clear here. He said, if anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself. First of all, we have a desire to follow him. Secondly, if we're going to continue in that desire to follow him, we have to deny ourselves. Uh, I see people who give me excuses on why they can't follow the Lord, but they'll spend money, travel great distances to go do other stuff, you know? As an old saying, if you, if, you, if you want to do it, you'll figure out a way where you can do it if you really want to be a part of that. But in this step, we have a desire to come for him. Then the second one, which is a big one for us, is we have to deny ourselves. We have to deny us. And then he says, take up his cross. Luke makes an emphasis here of daily and then follow me. And so what does taking up his cross mean? It, it means it becomes a daily surrender, a daily surrender of your life. You're going, well, I've been saved. I've, I, have the, I have the gift of eternal life. You do, that's true. Uh, I don't get eternal life when I die. I get eternal life when I first believe. It's a gift to me and it's a gift to you. I already have that. But I have to come to a point of daily surrender in my life. I, I can remember when I surrendered to preach and I was running from the ministry at UPS and, and on other days that I wasn't at UPS, I was working in Papaw's clothing store in Camelsville. And I can remember that I publicly came to my church which was Campbellsville Baptist. And I came there and I, I, I'd already privately surrendered my life, but then I publicly made that announcement to my church. Uh, my high school baseball coach who has been here like a dad to me, uh, very close to his family, had just preached his wife's funeral uh, a few months ago. Uh, he was the altar counselor that day and he, he prayed with me because his name's Don Shaw. I can remember that week, I worked, I was quitting UPS. I was leaving UPS 
Uh, I had no idea. My whole life in front of me was a big question mark. I didn't know how I was going to make a living. Uh, I went and worked at the store. I remember people coming in and telling me they're proud of me. You know, I appreciated all that. I remember standing back at the gift wrapping table of Papaw's store, which is in the back right corner. And I made a statement. It was a very foolish statement, but I made it. And I said, I am glad I did this. I'll never be convicted of anything else again. <laughs> I was glad I got that done and taken care of. Folks, we, listen, if the Holy Spirit's not convicting you, then you need to check your life. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. And it's, not, it's positive because it, it gets rid of what you don't need to be carrying, and not only don't need to be, you shouldn't be carrying in your life. He's just chiseling away the, the excess baggage in your backpack and the weight. He's just getting rid of it. So uh, it becomes, do you see this in Scripture? Leave me out of it. Do you see this in Scripture? Take up your cross as a picture of surrender. How often does he say this? These are the words of Jesus. You do this daily. There becomes a daily surrender. Why? Because you will take control of your life all over again. That, that, that selfish you will take control. And you've got to learn to keep that in check because it becomes very, it becomes very difficult. Um, we react just basically out of a lot of selfishness in our life and we have to deny ourselves take up our cross, a picture of surrender, and follow him. So the big five, we call it the big five. It's a daily practice uh, in uh, basing it on the fact of Luke teaching there. We take up our cross daily. Uh, we see the big five on the next screen. Is We know this is worship, fellowship, discipleship, evangelism, and ministry. And uh, you're going, why do you believe in this so much? I've been saying this for a long time. Yeah, we all love the revival at Asbury. We love what happened. And you're going, man, I wonder what made it so special. This is what did it. This is what they were doing. They did nothing but this right here. And I tell people, if you want your own personal Asbury, and I don't say that of making fun, I say that just as a reference point, then you do these things. If you learn to do these things, you'll have your own personal, you'll have your own personal Asbury. It'll be, you'll have a commune with God and uh, an intimate relationship with him that you've, you, you could only dream about. It'll take you to spiritual heights. You go to a conference. This is what you do. You come back, you're on fire. You go to church camp, whether it's kids camp or whether it's student camp meaning junior high and high school. You come back, you're on fire. Why? Because you do these things. We always say when you come back from a conference, you come back from camp, don't let the fire go out. We have that same youth pastor conversation on the bus. And then when you come back, you get into your old life. You don't do the big five anymore. You crash and burn. You're going, what happened to the fire that was within me? What happened to the zeal that was within me? We quit doing the big five. I believe in this. Even if you get mad at me and go, I can't believe he's doing this all over again. I've had people say to me, I don't want to hear the big five ever again. And it just makes me want to pour it on you. Okay? But, but you, you won't, here's, here's the problem with us. And I'm going to, say us. 
We want to hear something new when we've never even done the old message. We want a new message from the Lord and a new word from the Lord. And I'm telling you, it's, we've, just, we've, we've just ditched the old one. And these are the things of the people of leaders in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament that are pictures of faith. This is what they, this is what they did in their disciplines. Look at Acts 2, 42 through uh, uh, 46. I'm gonna walk these through here. You're not gonna see the word worship. You're not gonna see the word discipleship. You're not gonna see the word evangelism. You're not gonna see the, the word fellowship. You're not gonna see the word ministry, but it's all packed in here. This is where the Holy Spirit gave birth to the church. Let me show you how it's packed in there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's discipleship. To the fellowship. We figured that one out, right? To the breaking of bread, which would be fellowship, and to prayers, which we're gonna show you in a minute is a part of every bit of the big five. And uh, then fear came over them, and uh, many, many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. That would be ministry. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. That's the word koinonia, fellowship. They sold their possessions, fellowship, and their property, and they distributed the proceeds, which would be ministry. Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple. Now you're gonna think that's worship. It's not. They went there to share their faith. They didn't go to the temple because that's what they used to do. They went there to witness and, and to share and do evangelism. They broke bread. We're back at fellowship together from house to house. They ate their food with joy and, and humble, humble attitude in all, all that they were able to do. So I, I wanted you to see, even, even though fellowship is the only thing really mentioned there, I wanted you to see where the big five was established in, in the early church. Now, I've got a lot to do and I've got, I've got to hang on. I've got to get going because if I don't, I could just stay on one of these and, and uh, be with you forever. And I know that's not your desire. Worship is where we're going to begin. Look at Luke chapter four, verses five through eight. This is uh, where Jesus is with Satan and it's after his temptation it's, it's, it's the second of the temptations. It's after his time in the wilderness. And so, uh, so he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is Satan and Jesus in, in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. Remember, he, he, has, that, he has that right at that moment to do that. If you then will worship me and all will be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Let me give you a little bit of help in your daily life. If Satan will try to divert the worship of Jesus, he has no problem trying to divert the worship of you. He'll divert it. He'll divert it. Uh, he, uh, he will divert you to other worship or he'll either divert you to no worship at all. But he will try. He will try to give you a detour on your worship. 
when we worship, this is what happens. And I, I pray to make it simple. Um, we give him place and priority in our life. He is first. He has first place. Colossians 1 says he's the preeminence of God. He, he, is, the, he is first place. He's not top five. He's not second in line. He is first. He is either first or he is nothing. Uh, a, a, a lot of people have worship as being around music and singing, and it is. It is. A lot of the picture of, of Scripture is uh, worship is that of being around music and singing, but it's also praying as an act of worship. Our giving today is an act of worship. We're going to baptize Kendra in the second service, act of worship. We've had communion together. It's an act of worship. All that is a remembrance of everything that he has done. Um, couple, I've got the couple, hunt, the, the couple days I've been able to hunt, turkey hunt a little bit, and uh, I'm out there, and the sun's coming up, and it's a beautiful sunrise, and I see his handiwork and his creation, and uh, it's, uh, uh, there can be a moment of awe, uh, and be a moment of worship that goes on. I just want you to see that you need to incorporate in your day uh, this daily discipline of worship. And when I worship him, I am saying to him in that day that I'm giving you the proper place in my life, that I worship you. I worship you. We, we just say things in a nonchalant way. Well, he worships the ground that you walk on. Well, that's, I know what that means, but I just don't know we ought to say that. Uh, it is, I, I want the Lord. Listen, I believe in, in your private daily worship. I believe in this gathering today. I believe in that. We need it. You need it. You need it as a boost and as an encouragement and as a challenge in like-minded believers, which will actually be fellowship in just a moment when we get to it, come together. But in the simplicity of it all, I want you to know something. When I leave my driveway on Sunday morning, I want my neighbors and my neighborhood to know who I worship. Of course, they're gonna say, well, of course you do, you're the preacher. I want people who can see me to know who that I worship, but hang on. I want an unseen world. I want, I want the demons of hell to know who I worship. Have you ever had those nights where you felt attacked in your sleep? Have you had them? Usually around three o'clock. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Uh, the, the, there is a true witching hour. It's from 12 to three. Uh, and sometimes the occult prays for Christians to not get into REM sleep and to have bad nights of sleep so they'll have bad days and bad attitudes, right? And um, so uh, sometimes I think they, they just pray for the Baptists, you know, and not, not some of the other. And uh, there, there's been times where I would feel under attack and uh, I've actually said this out loud to the enemy. If you wake me up, I will not be in fear. I will immediately go to my Father in heaven. And I will worship him and I will worship him only. So wake me up all you want. But when you do, you're driving me to my heavenly Father. You see how quickly that can be turned 
They can be turned into worship, what you would say is an attack, and you're going, wow, I'm under an attack, you know? I turn it into a time, every time you do that to me, it drives me to the Father. Do you all see this? Uh, it, it could happen in the daytime. It doesn't matter. But when you do it, you're pushing me to go to my heavenly Father. So just see this as a, as a daily practice of worship. Work it in, and you can easily. Second one is fellowship. Uh, one of the key words is the word koinonia. It means a Greek word. It means we have things in common. It was very popular back in the 80s to have a Sunday school class named koinonia, or your prayer group was named koinonia, meaning we're in fellowship. But let me tell you something. Fellowship here, a biblical picture of fellowship, is not just hanging out. It's not just having. Uh, it's not just having food together. It's not it at all. Even though they talked about breaking bread, they just use their meals. But we we'll get into North America here, and um, uh, we'll get to thinking that it's just we got to have this spiritual hangout time. And I, I I have something I fully believe. I think we have substituted campus activity and busyness for for being in His presence daily. Uh, I, I believe that's happened in our country. I believe I've seen it happen, and it just becomes church hangout time. I want to show you biblically that in, in, even in the way that God created everything, his first intention was for you to be in fellowship with him, and that's the creation of Adam. We know Eve came later, and don't read into that. All right, that's just a biblical sequence. Don't, don't read into that please. But it was meant for him to have fellowship with God. And then he gave him a helpmate. And uh, so that it will ease some of you all, even with that statement in sequence, my pastor said this to Julie and me in our counseling session 43 years ago. And uh, I say it in every, every wedding that I have that God didn't make woman from the head of man to be above or from the foot of man to be below, but from the side of man to be together with, okay? But man was created first to have a fellowship with God. Then one to come alongside, a soulmate to be there. Uh, and let, let's look at this. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 14. We're gonna mention the Holy Spirit here, the Trinity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It is intended, before I have Christian fellowship with you, it is intended that I have fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's my first point of fellowship. Then it becomes fellowship with other believers. And we saw that in Acts 2.42. Uh, they, they just said it very clearly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which would be discipleship, and to the fellowship. And one reason they did it the way they did it then is because there was so few of them. And we know that at this moment, 
about 3,000 are being baptized, but before that moment, the early church had a picture of about five or 600 people. But then at Pentecost, 3,000 were baptized, and then it continues to grow and has continued to grow on from, from then on. So I, I want you to see even the Ten Commandments here. This is still about fellowship. The Ten Commandments had a two-way street with fellowship. Uh, it, the, the, the Ten Commandments were meant to, was showing me how to live vertically with God. How do I live vertically with God? And then the Ten Commandments were to show how do I live horizontally with man? So it was both a fellowship with God and also a fellowship with people. And I was to take the Ten Commandments, the intention of it is for me to take the Ten Commandments and look at me. It's not the intention for me to take the Ten Commandments and look at you. It's to take which, which of these am I breaking? Which am I inviting into my life? And when we did it wrong, it's when I took the Ten Commandments and started judging you with them and not beginning with me. Because the Ten Commandments will lead me into a vertical fellowship with God and a horizontal fellowship with man. And remember, the intention is for it to be with God first. I, uh, I, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to always try to teach you to be in his presence. I'll do that till the day that I die. As I said earlier, uh, I'm gonna preach Christ crucified and raised from the dead. It's the core of the gospel. Uh, but if I don't teach you how to live with him, I'm gonna, I think I have failed you. And we want to get into fellowship. We'll talk about fellowship, but again, a lot of times we talk about it, it's just this hangout time. You want know, me to tell you how you really get into the crux of fellowship? It's suffering. We suffer together. When we're suffering together, there's usually no arguments. And uh, let me tell you how a pastor gets to know his church. His, the pastor gets to know his church when you suffer. Difficult times are what really cause me and you to come together. None of you get up on a Friday and go, boy, I'd really like to hang out with my preacher today. But what happens when sickness comes? What happens when death comes? What happens when divorce comes and disease comes? What happens when we come together? And no, we don't always stay together because there's another bit of suffering that happens. And one way we get to know each other is through hardship. And that's why Paul said to the Lord and about the Lord, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. One of the things that binds us together, that really draws us together, is a time of suffering. And it becomes a sweet fellowship to where we're there for all these other people. And we all can't be there for everybody, but you are there for other people, and so am I. Discipleship, Colossians three sixteen. Uh, it, it says, let the message about the Messiah, Messiah or Christ dwell richly in you. Do you see that? The word message is the word word. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in you, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, spiritual songs with gratitude. You see how worship is mixed into even the word of God. You know what we say here? We want the word of God. We want you in the word of God. We want the word of God in you. Look at 1 John chapter 2, 14. This is the reason why. John wrote, uh, I have written to you children because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you fathers because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and God's word remains in you. We want you in the word of God. We want the word of God in you. And you have victory over the evil one. One of the ways that Jesus shut up the enemy was he shut up the enemy by saying to him, uh, scripture, by responding to everything that he was doing uh, with scripture. So he, it, it, we, we want you to see that Hebrews 4.12 the, the scripture is alive and effective and sharper than any two-edged or double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow. It, it is able to judge the ideas and the thoughts of the heart. Uh, I, it is alive and well, and it speaks to us. It speaks to us about life and about having wisdom and understanding, and it goes deeper. When it talks about going uh, to the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The word of God goes to places of your life that nothing else can ever go. Nothing else, no other words of wisdom and no other words of challenge and encouragement. It go as far as the word of God goes in your life. You'll come to me and you'll say, hey preacher, you know, you told me to read this and I read this and man, you know, and I'm going, well, that's because the word of God is alive. It's well, it brings life to us. It is food. Jesus taught us that his word is food for our soul. Amen. It's food for our soul. In Psalm 119.11, this is the old Bible school pledge I grew up with as a kid. I have treasured your word in my heart, in you, in, in my heart, so that I may not sin against you. And we wanna learn scripture. I teach people in discipleship all the time. It's a phrase that we use of, of uh, just in time versus just in case. And uh, you'll be studying something and it, it'll jump off the page at you. And I tell people, hang on to that. It's either gonna speak to you or it's going, you're gonna use it this week. God has highlighted this, and it may be something that you use in somebody else's life this week. Uh, I, I want you to start here. I want to put the big five list back up, Miles, if you will. Even though it's listed in the middle, this is where you begin. You're gonna go, well, Jeff, it'd be better at top. Not, not for me, that's not where I want it. Discipleship in the middle. You're going, which one of these five do I begin with? Thanks, great question. We begin with discipleship in the word because when you do discipleship, the, the two above it and the two below it will naturally occur. Did you, did you not just see, I, I used that verse a while ago about the word of God dwelling in you richly and then it led to worship. 
you start with discipleship and when you do that, worship and fellowship naturally occur and evangelism and ministry naturally occur. You just, the one you, which one do I start? Hey preacher, where do I start? Start with being in the word of God and watch what happens with the other two. But I, I want his word in my heart so that I may not sin against him. You know, anger is not the sin. But carrying that anger is the sin because that anger will lead to other things. And you're going, hey, preacher, do you ever get mad? Are you kidding? Are you kidding? We all get mad. We all get angry. But when I do that, it can say be angry, but don't sin, which, which, it, which in English means shut up. It just means shut up. Be angry because anger will give birth to other sin. And you gotta check it. And some people go, preacher, preacher, preacher. There's righteous anger. You still gotta check it. It doesn't matter if it's righteous anger or just plain old anger. You have got to check the anger. And there's times I get angry and it happened this week, I got angry. I had that cartoon look where the thermometer got red and came up, you know, smoke came out my ears. I got mad and I had to say to myself that verse, you can get angry, but don't sin. You gotta check this anger. Where's it coming from? What happened? I had to do that. And I had to realize I just needed to shut up and go on and forget about it. So you're going, well, you're the preacher. No, it's the word of God in me that did that. You, and you've, you've got to learn to handle it in exactly the same way. Let's get to evangelism. Evangelism uh, is D.T. Niles has the, I've, I've shared this with you a million times, uh, has a great, great quote. One, it is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Uh, it is sharing with people the hope that is in you and your faith. It is spiritual conversations, which we te teach in another strategy of ours called the Hope Arrow. Look at Acts 4.12. Uh, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. No other way you can be saved but by the person of Jesus. Look at 1 Peter 3.15 when it comes about sharing our faith, just even in casual spiritual conversations. But honor, honor the Messiah, Christ, as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks ask you for a reason for the hope. The hope that is, there's that word again, in you. That, that hope that is in you. Uh, I'm, I'm not much on really knocking on people's doors and I don't know who they are, uh, but I am, I am one for God to send me, uh, direct me to people who near, need to hear the gospel message. It just comes up in casual conversations. I don't make it happen, I just let it happen. But I let them know about what Peter just said, the hope that is within me. I give them the message of how that happened. It just becomes a natural way to share your faith in evangelism. Remember, if you do discipleship, evangelism and even ministry, these bottom two will come together. They'll happen naturally. Last is ministry. Romans 12, 11. <clears throat> don't, be, don't lack diligence 
The old King James uses the word don't be slothful, which means lazy. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. And the word fervent means burning. It means be on fire about serving the Lord. Uh, what does our ministry look like? Uh, it looks like reconciliation. <clears throat> look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. Let's walk through this slowly. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. Everything, everything is from God who reconciled us to himself. There's a reconciliation. Through Christ gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Look at this. Not counting their trespasses against them. It's grace. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ certain that God is appealing or asking through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Uh, evangelism and ministry are together there because they're joined together there. That it is a natural way to be able to share your faith. And then you're going, well, where is prayer? It's in all of it. Prayer is an act of worship. You're gonna be in fellowship together with other believers. It should, it should include praying. In your discipleship, there are gonna be times you're gonna to get to very difficult passages. And, there's all the, and I think the Holy Spirit is the great interpreter. Hang on, this is the common sense part of me. He ought to know what is written because he wrote it. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? You're asking the author. He's the one who compiled the scriptures together. And they're in there for a reason. And sometimes I have to ask him for that reason. And then discipleship is a time for me to pray for other people that come to my mind. Evangelism. You should be praying for people to be saved. There are some of you that we are praying for you. We have groups of people praying for you. And we're, we're I mean, it, it's like the FBI following you. We got people praying for you over and over and over. Listen, there's a lady that just passed away. Uh, she's 101. Many of you all know Alicia Bolin in our church uh, and Will. Uh, well, Alicia's grandmother, who was like a mom to me, my mother's best friend. Her name was Miss Lucille. And grew up on a farm in Greene County in the community known as Gabe. And uh, I, uh, I grew up partly on that farm. I stayed with them a lot. And she passed away yesterday at 101. Isn't that something? She was legally blind and uh, still drove on her, on her farms. They have a large farm. She didn't get on the main road now, but they had a lot of farm road. And she'd drive around and be able to, she could still see a little bit. But I, they told me she's running into fence posts and running into trees and ran into reports. And so I talked to her about it. And she said, Jeff, it's okay. That's my fence post. Those are my trees and that's my porch. And I can run into them if I want to. That's, I love that about her. She says, it's okay. She's gone, she's gone to be with, in glory. And uh, I know that woman prayed for me. I know she prayed for me. I heard her when she was by herself on her knees 
at a cane bottom, just an old cane bottom chair with her Bible open. And I heard her praying for me. And a part of our evangelism is not just having spiritual conversations with people. It's having spiritual conversations with the Father about people. It includes that. Uh, when it comes to prayer, uh, it's ministry. We're praying with people when it even comes to ministry. I think you get the picture. But doing the big five sends you to spiritual heights. But here's what happened, guys. Listen to me. We get stuck. We get stagnant. And we get in a rut. And then you're like, well, let's, let's get some church activity going so we can get out of it. And you will as long as the activity lasts. But when the activity quits, what happens? You go right back to the same old place. And it's meant for you to, this right here will create a life where he will guide you and he will show you how to bless people and when to bless people. You don't have to make it happen. He'll let you know. He'll let you know how to be a part of it. Do you, do you receive that today? Do you see that? In the book of James, again, we, we talk about our friend James. You gotta be doers of the word. You hear first, but then you transition to being a doer. And you can see this all day. You can amen me all day long. But you gotta do this. You gotta implement that. You're saying, Jeff, do you have the secret of me getting to a, a greater spiritual height? I do. I just gave it to you. And where'd I get it? Well, I got it, I, I got it down at Walmart. I found it on the shelf down there and I'm gonna bring it to you. Where do you think I got it? I showed you today where I got it. This is what happened at Asbury. This is what happened at your camp experience. This is what happens during revival meetings. This is what happens and you can experience it daily. And listen, listen to me. I'm your pastor. I can't mingle in all of your lives. I can't. I can't do it. To your, your children, I'm Papa G. I, I, just, I, I just look at your kids as being my grandkids. And some of you who are young, I look at you as being your dad. Just that father figure in your life. And to some of you who are older, I'm, I'm a big brother. I'm a big brother. Or I'm the old weird uncle or whatever. But I love you. I love you. And I don't want you in that rut and stagnation either. And his word tells us how to stay in a vibrant, fervent relationship with him and fellowship with him. And this is how you do it. But you gotta put it into your practice. And it is a daily practice. And you're going, well, that's not fair. Well, then that's just tough. Because he said, take up my cross, church, say the word, daily. And when I do this daily, then I'm throwing my old self down and I'm raising, I'm raising the Jesus that he made up. Do you see that? I'm, I am, I am, when I do this, I am denying myself. I am surrendering me to even that day to be a blessing, to be an ambassador, to be a minister of reconciliation because I have hope in me. And the hope I have in me 
I want the world who doesn't know him to have it too. I don't want to fence it off for me. I want them to have it too. So church, let's make a commitment today. We're not just going to hear about this, but we're going to do it. We're going to figure it out. And I'm here to coach you and help you figure that out. All right, let's make that commitment today. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over our people today. I pray a blessing over them today, Lord. And we will understand that you have a desire to meet with us privately more than we have a desire to meet with you privately. Reveal that to us even in this day. And Father, we're grateful that you've allowed us in your presence. We have gathered to worship and to celebrate, but we also have gathered to be sent. And so you fill us today. You remind us today and reveal to us today. And then you send us. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? Counselors, you find your spots. The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you come.